Hello and welcome back to another edition of A Trip Down Vicarage Road, the Watford podcast which interviews former players, coaches and managers about their time at the Hornets. If you don't know me, I'm Bradley Hayden, a freelance sports journalist, but most importantly, a massive Watford fan for over the last 10 years. Thanks to all those who have tuned in so far and I really hope uh, that you've enjoyed the first podcast with Richard Lee, Kevin Phillips and Tommy Smith, which are all still available on both SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, this week, though, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by a defender who made over 440 appearances in over 20 years at the club, having first moved to Vicarage Road when he was aged 11. I'm, of course, talking about the legend that is Lloyd Doyley, uh, a man who will always be remembered for his goal at Vicarage Road again. QPR in December 2009. Um, so this, in this week's podcast, I'll, I'll speak to Lloyd about life at current club Billericay Town in the National League South, uh, making his debut at Watford under Viali, playing in the Premier League, of course that goal against QPR, and whether he'd consider a return to Vicarage Road in another capacity in the future, among other topics. Um, so here we go, I hope you enjoy it. So I'm with um, Watford legend Lloyd Doyley here, we've made over 400 appearances for Watford I'm sure all of you out there remember his goal against QPR fondly which we'll obviously touch on later so Lloyd how are you doing you're now at Billericay Town in the National League South you play alongside Jamie O'Hara who used to play for Spurs how are you finding things down there yeah well um, we're doing all right at the moment we're in the playoffs um, so uh, as long as we stay in the top seven um, we've got seven more games left so uh, Hopefully we can keep in the top seven and get into a playoffs, and then hopefully uh, show one, you know, while we're there, and hopefully try and get promoted. You mentioned there about promotion. Obviously, Billericay have been a bit of a difficult run recently. Win a couple of games, lose a couple of games. They were leading that that division before Christmas. Do you still feel that side are capable of of achieving promotion this season? Yeah, um, you know. I look at the team and I go through the team. We've got so many players that have played in the league before and we've actually got quite a good um, senior squad, really. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of experience. You know, a lot of us have been promoted at different levels already. So, you know, I believe that we've got a good enough squad to get promoted. Obviously, Torquay, they're full-time. So... Uh, you know, it shows why they're at the top of the league. Um, they're a very good team, yeah. and I think they'll probably finish first. And then hopefully, you know, in the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. And obviously, you spent a large part of your career in the Football League and a bit in the Premier League with Watford. How did you find adapting from going to play in the Football League to sort of non-league? Um, last year, when I signed for Hemel, um, I found it quite difficult, actually. Um, from training every day to training twice in the evenings on a Tuesday and a Thursday in the evening, you know, it, it was quite difficult. You know, I've always been used to training every day and working on things every day to only training twice a week was quite difficult. So sometimes I would get myself off to the gym and probably do too much and I think that's slightly affected me at the beginning. Um, but I quite enjoy it right now um, at Billy Rookie. They, they've got ambition and 
they want to be a full-time uh, team. So, you know, we train in the days at the moment. We train on Tuesday and Thursday in the day. And, you know, if we did get promoted, there's a possibility that we'd be doing it three times a week in a day. So, uh, being at Billerick has made it a lot more easier for me. Uh, you know, just mentally and physically, really. And how are you finding the stand of football there as well? Because just, I've watched a bit of non-league football this, this season and the standard is, is really improved over the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of players that have played in the league, you know, at all the levels, really. You know, for instance, I'm playing with Jamie O'Hara at the moment. You know, he's played for Tottenham, you know, he's... He's played at Ipswich, he's played at Colchester, he's had a really good career. But now he, he happens to be at Billericay and he's a assistant manager and a player manager. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a lot of players that have played in the league. Um, the standard, people think the standard is not going to be the greatest. There are certain teams, you know, that don't really play football, but... Um, the standard's a lot better than what people think and I think people should get down and watch a local team, you know? When, when when you're not supporting the likes of Watford or Chelsea, get down to your local team and support them, go and watch. Definitely. And um, obviously we're here to talk about Watford, a club that obviously you spent so much time with over the over your, your career, you joined them at the age of 11. How do you reflect on, on your time at Watford? Uh, if words can't describe how uh, grateful I've, I've been for Watford, you know. Uh, you know, they gave me the opportunity at the age of 11. And, you know, I stayed there until I was 32. I had maybe 9, 10, 11 different managers. And I played under all of them. So, you know, I've been grateful for what Watford's done for me. And, uh, you know, throughout the years I've proved people and managers wrong really and you know I've played over 440 odd games so it's been great. As you said you came through the club's academy joined them at the age of 11 how much of an impact has that academy had on your career and the ground in it it's given you? Well you know I think the academies are brilliant really um, it teaches it, teach, it teaches you what to expect and how to live your life right, you know. They give you everything that you need to become a professional footballer. And back when I was doing it 15, 20 years ago, it was a lot different, you know. It was a lot, a bit, it was a lot more harsher, you know. You had to do more work around the club. You had to do a lot more jobs than they do right now. But... Right now, you know, I think those kids get everything. Everything they need to become an elite performer, performer at the highest level they've got. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's great for the youngsters nowadays. And who are your coaches during your time at the Watford Academy and what sort of players were coming through at the same time as you? Well, um, I had... Uh, a fellow player, player, Richard Lee, you know, he he made over 100 appearances for Watford. 
He went to Brentford, played a lot of games at Brentford. He's now on uh, Sky Sports News occasionally. He's, he's a good friend of mine. Um, he's, he was the same age as me. He's the one that really kicked on. Um, there's a few others, uh, younger age, uh, people like uh, Anthony McNamee, Jamie Hand. Uh, they've done really well. Um, they're not playing football at the moment, but you know they they had a good career, even if even if it was shorter than you know uh, what I've had. They've had a good career, so um, you know yeah, it's it's been great. You were handed your debut by Gianluca Bialy against Birmingham, I think, in yes. 2001. I know a lot of people don't quite like to remember that Bialy era too much, but what impact did he have on your career and? What do you remember about that game and making your debut? That still must be one of the, your proudest moments. Well, it, it was a bit of a... Obviously, Graham Taylor gave me my pro contract. And then um, a couple of months later, he said that he was retiring. So I was a little bit nervous, to be honest. Because um, Viali's come in, he brought 10 players in. And uh, he got rid of eight or nine players. You know, senior players. So... I was thinking maybe the opportunity for youngsters to get a debut was going to be a lot more slim. But I was surprised, you know. He he brought me over to Italy in pre-season tour and uh, he gave me an opportunity to be part of the first team. And then after a month of uh, playing in the reserves, I'd done really well. So. He promoted me and I got an opportunity to be on the bench for the Birmingham game. And I think a lot of Watford fans would remember Pierre Issa for falling off the stretcher. Well, that was my debut and I came on for him. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was a great opportunity for me uh, playing against one of the better teams in the championship that year. I think they were tipped to be get promoted that year and playing against a former Watford player, Tommy Mooney. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great opportunity. From there on, I was part of the uh, squad, the first team squad for the whole season. Ray Lewington followed the RE after that. What was it like working with him? Obviously, now he's gone on to, to be an assistant manager and currently at Crystal Palace at the moment. So, what was he like with you? Yeah, I got on really well with him. Um, he obviously had to stabilise the club a little bit more because we almost went into administration. So, uh, you know, I can remember players getting pay cuts, he had to cut the budget, he had to get players out. Um, so, it was quite difficult for him. Um, but I only played 10 games under him even though I was a big part of the uh, squad the first team squad I only played 10 games with him uh, throughout, that, throughout that next season um, but he was a really good coach and he taught me quite a lot that I needed to know You know, we had players like Neil Cox Neil Arley that I played alongside and they really helped me you mentioned there about the club nearly going into administration. That wasn't the first time it happened either, obviously later down the line in, in 2009 as well. What sort of impact did that have on you as well? Because obviously as a young player back then, that, that can't have been easy for you to, to deal with. Um, to be honest, it didn't really affect me personally much. Um, 
think as players, you just get on with it. You can't affect what's going on outside of the football field. So we just went about it in the right way. And I felt that we just went out there and tried to perform to the best of our ability. You mentioned there a couple of names like Neil Wardley, Neil Cox. As well as that, you played alongside the likes of Sean Dyche, Jada Merritt, Malky Mackay when, when you were starting to come through. What were they like to play with and, and how much did they help you during the early stages of career as well? Uh, as, uh, as the names that you've just mentioned, yeah. um, I, I played against a lot of good, experienced players. You know, People like Malky Mackay, who had three promotions from the championship in three years. So... Um, you know, he knew what you had to do to get promoted. So um, having pe- people like him around was great. You know, I'll probably say I was a little bit naive at times. You know, uh, and they helped me along the way. Um, I can always remember; it's, it's always stuck in my mind. Um, New Arley. Um I was the last man on the at the back of the uh, field and I've gone up for a header. But because I've gone up so early, I was very naive. The, the striker gave me a little nudge. And I can always remember Neil Ali in the changing room saying, Lloyd, you can't be that naive. You know, uh, you've got to learn from this. And that always stuck in my head. And, you know, the, there have been like loads of little things that stuck in my head and I brought it forward. and. Uh, that's what I want to do, you know. Teach the youngsters the right way of, you know, particularly defending. And after Lewington, A.D. Boothroyd came in and you played a massive part in that promotion winning season that they won at, the, won at Wimbledon Millennium Stadium. Made something like 50 appearances that season, played nearly every single game. So was that one of the best seasons of your career, would you say, under, under A.D. Yeah. Um Obviously playing every game of the season I think I was on the bench once but I still came on at half time but I played every other game so um, yeah I'd probably say that was the best season personally you know I won player of the year that season as well and most improved player and I just think the squad was one of the best squads you know I think ADB Freud he had a good knack of uh, getting all the families together, getting all the wives together, getting, you know, having team nights out and girlfriend nights out, and just he he, he had good man management, you know, and uh, he brought players to the cl- club that had something to prove. Marlon King, you know, was a little bit troublesome, but he had a point to prove. Clark Carlisle, who had troubles as well, he had a point to prove, you know. Players like that, Matthew Spring, who was at Leeds, didn't perform at Leeds that well uh, the season previous to that. He had a point to prove. And he just jailed all the young players at Watford at a time and just made a really good team. And you mentioned Leeds there, Watford beat obviously in that playoff final at the Millennium Stadium and it wasn't just a 1-0, it was a convincing 3-0 win. 
How was it in the build-up to the game? Because it felt like all the pressure was on Leeds. They were the team that they were expected to beat Little Old Watford at the Millennium Stadium. So what was that like? And is that game one of the highlights of your career today as well? It was a little bit weird. We finished higher than them. Yeah. And we were still the underdogs. Um, but we liked it that way. Um, obviously, Leeds is a massive club. You know, they've got great history. Um, so you understand that. Um, but believe it or not, we went into the game so confident. We knew we were going to win. You know, A.D. Boothroyd took us to the stadium three or four days before. He allowed us to soak up the atmosphere, uh, the stadium. He allowed us to take pictures. So when it got to the game, it was just the norm. Um, and, you know, we... We just knew we were going to go into the game winning. In the tunnel, you could just tell. We was all loud. We was all... We, we probably intimidated them a little bit. They didn't know. We were so loud. People were banging on doors. People were like shouting, come on, move up for this. And I think we won it from, from the tunnel. And the year after that, playing in the Premier League as well, it wasn't quite... a great season on the pitch for Watford but personally for you playing in the Premier League that must be something that you can always tell your kids and their family that you've done Yeah, you know I got to play 25 games in the Premier League at all the big stadiums, you know Man United where I scored that on goal but um, Man United, Newcastle you know Chelsea all all the, the new Emirates at the time that was the first year that Emirates was built so um you know, it was amazing playing against the best players. It was just a little bit disappointing in the end because we kept 12 or 13 clean sheets. But we just didn't really have the firepower to uh, to stay up. You know, I think we, was, we didn't score many goals. And it didn't help that, you know, we had players like Marlon King, who was our top goal scorer, injured for most of the season. And we didn't really get any replacements at the time. So it's a little bit disappointing, but um, it was a great experience. I spoke to Tommy Smith recently and he was saying, mentioned a couple of results, so they were beating United 1-0 and then that, that result came through, that would be another three points and there was a couple of games here and there where there potentially a couple of moments where if they'd have just hung on for a couple more minutes, they would have potentially got through and, and closed the gap and as AD, I was looking at a, a newspaper headline after the playoff final this morning AD was so confident that he was going to keep Watford up that season so you mentioned a couple of things then is there anything else that you maybe think yes. potentially um, went wrong? Yeah um, I think eventually the quality of um, other teams got through us so maybe for 80 minutes we were playing well and then you know maybe Arteta will come up with something special or Ryan Giggs will come up with something special in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. I think we had a stat that Eddie Boothroyd told us. If we played an 80-minute game, we would be 13th in the league. Yeah. Um, we had the tendency of letting in goals in the last 10 minutes, which was you know, quite de- demoralising. But... Um, I felt that build that 
you know, that made us grow. Um, the next season, as you said, um, by Christmas we were 12 points clear. We had such a good squad and we were 12 points clear by Christmas and I think we felt we were going to go straight back up. But as you know, uh, we lost against Hull in the semi-finals and uh, it didn't happen. After, after that season, obviously AD, AD left, Malky Mackay took over for a bit, then Brendan Rodgers came in as well. He wasn't someone who favoured you at first, but you managed to force your way back into his plans and, and prove him wrong as well. Someone tweeted me this morning, was like, you've got to remind Lloyd about Thomas Priskin's goal against uh, Chelsea and ask him, is he still claiming the, claiming the assist for that as well? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, Brendan's come in. He was, you know, honest with me. Yeah. He was, you know, you're not my type of player. Um, but I respect you. You've done a lot for the club. Um, I will keep you around the club. Um, and I'll keep you around the squad. So, you know, as a player, all you can do is accept it, but still go out there and work hard. Uh, and train every day and work hard, try and get yourself back into a team. Um, at the time, our full-backs weren't doing too well, so um, I had the opportunity to get back in the team. And it was that game against uh, Chelsea, and that was my first game back in. And I ended up setting up a goal for Thomas Priskin and playing really well. And uh, yes, it was my assist. Um, it was a great ball, to be honest. <laughs> and that's where the name Lloyd Diniel came from. Um, yeah, and then, then after that, I played the next 15 games. And then I earned myself a, a contract. And as much as... Brendan felt that I wasn't the type of player at the beginning I worked and improved and got myself back in into the team and he, then he recognised that you know maybe Lloyd might just do you know um, yeah so I respect him for that you know some managers might just be stubborn and just say no nope, you're not my type of player even though the players that are in the team aren't doing well I won't give you my won't give you a chance. He's done the quite opposite. So, you know, I quite respect him for that. And he was just a really good coach, to be honest. Yeah. That was something I was going to pick you up on, actually, because Tommy Smith, when I, when I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, he said, in terms of like training-wise and coaching-wise, Brendan was the best he worked with. He's now obviously gone on to manage likes of Liverpool, Celtic, now at Leicester. How does he rank in terms of the managers you, you worked with? And are you surprised he's done so well? No, I'm not surprised. Uh, to be honest, I always knew Watford was just a stepping stone for him. Um, and I can remember him as a manager saying that to us, but saying it should be for you as well. You know, you, you, you said that every player, every manager should aim as high as you can, you know? this should be a stepping stone for you. You should want to be playing in a premiership. You should want to be, you know, managing at the top. So, um, obviously, the opportunity came for him to go to Reading and he obviously took it. Um, at the time, Reading got relegated from the Prem, so he must have felt it was a net stepping stone for him. 
Um, but as a coach, he was definitely one of the best coaches I've uh, worked under. Um, him and Zola. Yeah. We'll come back to Zola a little bit later, but the season after that, QPR, 70,009. After how many years at Watford, you pop up at the far post and meet Don Cowie's cross. You fling yourself at it and it's straight in and the queue delirium at, at Rickridge Road. That diving header at the, the far post is something that's still remembered by Watford today. It's played on all of the big screens before games. What do you remember about that, that goal? Well, um, I remember that it was on Sky Sports. Uh, so, um, you know, everybody was watching. And, uh, you know, Watford and QPR kind of a local derby yeah. you know other than Luton which is a proper derby uh, QPR is the next derby and uh, you know I could just remember being 1-0 down and uh, my goal was the one that you know levelled it up and you know when it's when I scored it obviously before 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 in training I already had celebration that I already planned but once it happened I didn't know what to do with myself and um, yeah it was a great great feeling yeah. you know um, I can just remember the whole crowd throughout the whole game yeah. just cheering my name yeah. and singing and it was definitely one of the best atmospheres yeah. I've witnessed out at Vickers Road is that goal something you still watch to this day? Because obviously the club made so much about it. The T-shirts, I was there when Lloyd scored as well. Yeah. Do you still watch it to this day? Do you have a T-shirt as well? I, I, yeah, I've got a T-shirt. <laughs> I've got a T-shirt. My T-shirt's framed at home uh, with, uh, with the picture of me celebrating. Um, but yeah, it's always on Twitter. Someone always reminds me on Twitter and puts a video up. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, I'm, I do always watch it. I don't always choose to watch it, but someone's always putting it up. Yeah. And obviously, under Malky McCoy and Sean Deitch after that, Watford had really young teams, relied really heavily on, on the academy. You know, you had the likes of Lee Hodgson in there, Marvin Sordell in there as well, Stephen McGinn, yeah. uh, lots of other young players in and about the squad, Scott Loach as well. It was another kind of a sign that Watford were proving people wrong as well because under both Malky and, and Shaw, Watford were one of the favourites to, to go down just to how, how young that, that squad was. It felt like you were pro- that team, you were, you were proving people wrong in both those seasons as well, especially as well. I, I felt with both of their managers, those managers, Sean Dyson and Malcolm Mackay, they just stabilised the club and... Um, they knew what, they both played in the championship before. They knew what was needed to stay in the championship. And I think both seasons we ended up finishing back mid-table. So for Watford at a time, that was that was a set, successful season for us. Um, yeah, I think Watford's always been that type of club where... They've had to rely on the academy. Not so much now because they're in the Premiership and you have to get the most best elite players out there to stay in the Premiership. The, you know, to stay in the Premiership is worth so much money. So 
you have to spend money to stay in the Premiership. But back then, I can remember when I was uh, 17, 18, getting into the Premiership, I mean, getting into the um, squad, first team squad. We had players like Paul Robinson, Tommy Smith, uh, Don Foley, they all came through the system, you know. Um, so Watford was always known for that. And obviously at the end, at the end of that season, the start of the following season, you had your testimonial against Spurs as well. In this day and age, not, not many players get rewarded for their, their loyalty uh, by a club and get given a testimonial because I suppose it's the way football is these days and you're one of the only players in my memory as a fan at Watford who's ever been really given a testimonial so that's something that must be you're really proud of um, and also I suppose uh, I, I suppose you may be starting to get a little bit worried that Troy Deeney might be starting to, to hunt you down as well Well I, I can remember two previous uh, testimonials before mine which was Alec Chamberlain and Nigel Gibbs who was obviously there for 20 odd years um, so I can remember those two testimonials, but yeah, it, it's not known of nowadays, is it? You know, a lot of players move on after two, three, or four years, or even every year. So to be rewarded a testimony at Watford was was great for me. You know, you know, Watford was or is was all I knew. You know, I was there from the age of 11. Um, I got rewarded with a testimonial for being at the club as a professional for 10 years. So, um, and Watford was great about it. You know, they helped me sort everything out and, you know, helped me get Spurs as well, you know. Uh, we ended up changing the testimonial a couple of weeks before to the Sunday so the first 11 of Spurs could play because we was playing against um, just 11 so that was probably going to be some of the first team and some of the 21s at the beginning but um, both managers helped sort, sort out that we playing that we played against the first 11 of Spurs and we played against you know Gareth Bell Jermaine Defoe some really good players and it's a good turnout and at the start of that season under Gianfranco Zola you popped up and scored your, your second goal for the club as well against Bolton was it a cross or was that, was that intended? Do you know what most people can't remember that goal um, especially because it was away but um, I always get people saying oh Lloyd you only scored one goal and I always say nope I scored two actually <laughs> Um, it was a cross, yeah. but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. it. It ended up going top corner, yeah. um, and at the end of the day, a goal was a goal. Yeah. <laughs> I've scored a few uh, own goals in my career, so I'll take that one as well. And obviously, Gianfranco Zola that season, that team did so well, finishing third, getting to the playoff final. What was he like to work with? and? At the start of the season when Watford were bringing in the players of that calibre, you know, the likes of Cassetti, Vidra, Almunia, Forestieri, Abdi, did you did you think we've got a chance of doing something special this year? Um, at the beginning, it was, it was a little bit weird, to be honest, because yeah. we already had 
30 professional players at yeah. Watford. Uh, a lot of players were senior players who who played a lot of games for previous clubs, you know, and for Watford. So when we got another 15 players in from, you know, from Udinese, from Granada, from places all around Europe, it was a little bit weird. We had 46 players and all, all the players felt that they should be playing. So it's a little bit weird. Um, I think the first couple of months, uh, Zola was trying to figure out what his best team was, what the best formation for, for the players that he had. And then after the first couple of months, we worked it out. And, you know, when Troy came out of jail, <laughs> from, uh, I think that just gelled the whole team together. And I felt for that season, we played one of the best footballing performances throughout the whole season that I've ever encountered. Um, I can remember p people used to, used to saying, ah, oh, it's just like watching Brazil. <laughs> we played such good football and I felt, you know, as a footballing team, we were awesome. And that, that season, there's so many... I, I look back at that season, I've got so many memories of that. Not just the Leicester game, obviously that was unreal, but there were so many good performances during that season that I remember fondly. Obviously the Leicester one's always one that will stand out, but in terms of that game, in terms of that team as well, where does that team rank in terms of the ones you played with? Is that the, yeah, the best? I, I, think, I think it's, ability-wise, probably one of the best. Um, you know, I think... We had like Chalabar in centre midfield, who was 17 stroke 18. He had no fear. He would just get the ball from you from anywhere. And for that season, he was awesome. And nobody knew of him, you know? Um, we, we, we've got players like Vidra, nobody heard of him before. Even though Udinese spent four million pounds on him uh, when he was 18 years old as well. We had Alman Abdi, nobody heard of him. You know, we had Daniel Pudel, who was just so consistent. Marco Cassetti, who had, you know, Italian internationals to his name, you know. Nobody heard of these players. So I think we surprised a lot of teams, especially with the formation we played as well. We played 3 5 2. Nobody knew how to play against us. And um, I just felt. Yeah, ability-wise, that was one of the best. But obviously, we didn't get promoted that year. A couple of seasons afterwards, I probably think that was the best squad. After, I think things didn't quite work out for Zola the following season. He left, and Beppe Sanino came in. He, he seemed like quite uh, an animated figure on the on the touchline. Didn't really have much English, but he seemed to seemed to embrace sort of what Watford was about in terms of the fans. As a coach, what was he like? Do you know what? He was uh, very passionate. Yeah. Um, he was a tough man. Yeah. Uh, he had his own, his own ways, yeah. which I think eventually he adapted because the English culture is completely different to uh, the Italian culture. I think with Zola, he already played in England, yeah. so he understood the English yeah. culture and the championship. Um, 
regard I, I felt I felt regardless with what manager we had when we got promoted, uh, he was part of it. Um, we would have got promoted anyway. We had four 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 uh, four managers that's it that year and we still got promoted. Um, I felt it was a you know, his coaching style was quite tough. We was outside for quite long hours doing coaching pattern of plays. Um, he liked intensity, so he worked a lot on fitness. Um, we were definitely one of the first teams in the championship at the time. Um, and to be honest, he, he actually done well for us. You know, the second season that he was there, I think before he left, we were second. And you knew what he, you knew what he wanted from you. And as players, we done well. And you know, before he left, we were second in the league. Obviously, that promotion season, you didn't perhaps figure as much as you wanted to due to injuries or maybe not fitting into the way certain managers played or, or whatever reason. You perhaps disappointed that coming into the season you didn't get a proper chance to say goodbye to, to the Watford fans because you kind of left and no one really had a proper chance to, to give you this, the send-off that you maybe deserved. Um, I think I would have got that, um, but six weeks before the end of the season, um, I knew that I couldn't be involved because I had a bad neck problem. Uh, which I had an uh, operation which kept, kept me out for six months so uh, I had a slip disc yeah. and I saw the surgeon the surgeon said I don't want you to do anything mm. so I knew I couldn't have that send off mm. uh, I, I, I knew that that was going to be my last season at Watford which was quite disappointing but at the same time I lasted a lot longer than most other people did <laughs> so you know, I was grateful, yeah. and sometimes, as footballers, you have to move on. You know, and it was my time to move on. Um, I felt when we did get promoted on the last game of the season, that was my send-off. When we picked up the, you know, when we collected our medals, um, even though we finished second, which was quite disappointing. Um, because we drew the last game of the season, yeah. was it? Yeah, against Sheffield last Wednesday. Minute, yeah, yeah, last minute. It was quite disappointing. We were hoping that we would pick up the trophy. Um, it was still a great moment. You know, we still celebrated. We still knew that we were going to get promoted. And I felt that was my send-off. You still remember those celebrations on the pitch fondly? I remember you and Forestieri down in New Soaking you in champagne, yeah. you, you and Troy going around soaking the crowd in champagne as well. Yeah, it, it was uh, good memories, good memories. Um, you know, that squad that we had then, we were together. Yeah. You know, we all wanted the same outcome. We all wanted to get promoted. We all had, we was all in the same right direction. And that's why we got promoted. As I said, you know, regardless of what manager was there, we were going to get promoted because as players we knew where we wanted to head to. And you're still obviously great friends with members of the current Watford squad. I mean, Adrian Mariapa, for example, he's someone who's come back. When Watford re-signed him again, 
few thought, oh, he's just, just here to, to build up the numbers. He might not play that much, but someone good to have around the squad. Craig Cathcart as well, when Watford re-signed him, people were like, he's not really done, he's been, didn't really do much for us the, the first time. He's gone away to Blackpool, and I think people didn't really know how good Craig Cathcart was. They've kind of proved people wrong since they've come back to, to Watford as well and are you pleased to see them doing so well as yeah. well? I, I, I know both of them pretty well uh, you know um, Adrian Mariap is one of my good friends and uh, Craig Cathcart is a good friend as well um, we ended up going out for a meal about a couple of months ago so uh, you know we, we still stay in contact um, Craig Cathcart when he first came to Watford he done really well. It's just that team wasn't doing as well as we would have liked. But once he left, we started leaking in a lot more goals. I can remember talking to other people about this. Um, and obviously he went to Blackpool and he went to other clubs and he grew up. You know, he showed how good he was. You know, he, He's an international player, for Christ's sake. So, <laughs> you know, he's a very good player. And he's very good on the ball. And he's very quick as well. He's quicker than people think he is. And uh, Adrian Mariapas, he's the same, you know. He moved from Watford because he was getting all the headlines. And he went to Reading, he went to Crystal Palace in the Premiership. So, you know, he gained more experience playing with better players and at a better level. So coming back to Watford, they just had to prove their point by playing and getting match time. And that's allowed them to, you know, progress and be first teamers now. And what are your thoughts on the current Watford team at the moment? Obviously, we're speaking after the game against Crystal Palace where they've, they've got through to the FA Cup semi-final where they'll be playing Wolves in a couple of weeks. At the time we were speaking here, they're eighth in the Premier League as well, and, uh, and Javi Gracia as well. So, how pleased you to see him doing so well? Yeah, I'm. I'm grateful they're doing well. Um, I always knew they was would do. You know, with the puzzle family, the proper footballing family. You know, they know their football, so they know what's required for a team to stay in the league. You know, they've done it with Granada. You know, they've done it with. Udinese um, so with Watford you know it's probably the biggest league in the world you know they've, they've invested well in it you know if you see the training ground the training ground is awesome now you know it's stepped up the level um, so they're footballing people just they've started from the beginning I mean from the bottom you know with the training ground with the stadium and with the players now and uh, it doesn't surprise me um, from the beginning of the season I said they finished top 10 you know uh, I said that last season as well and they just finished outside the top 10 last season so you know I think they're doing great uh, they've got a lot of experience now in the team and they're just building upon it and obviously you've still got a few years ahead of you in terms of your playing career, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers, <laughs> fingers crossed. Now. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but once you sort of you decide to hang up the boots, 
would you ever consider returning to Watford in some sort of coaching capacity or ambassador capacity? I'm sort of speaking off off air about you sort of going back to maybe do your, your coaching badges at the club. If the opportunity comes, I'll, I'll definitely go. You know, um, I'm at present doing the coaching badge, so um, Watford are help me, helping me out with that at the moment. They're allowing me to coach uh, down at the Watford Academy. So hopefully once I get that, you never know what could happen. Um, you know, I might have another year playing or another two years, but it all depends what opportunities come along. You know, um, I feel good. I, I love playing. Um, being around the boys, being part of a team, I've always been told by other senior players, do it as long as you can, because yeah. once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. So uh, that's what I intend to do. Um, but you never know what opportunities might come along. And just to round things off, just three quick questions. To start off with, a few people when I've asked them this have said Ashley Young, but for you, who's the best player you played with at Watford? Dude, I can't say that. Um, Ashley Young has done the best. Yeah. Uh, he's done the best, but I wouldn't quite say he's, he's the best player. Yeah. Okay. Can I do a top five? Yeah. Top five. That would do, yeah. Do that. Okay. Top five. Yeah. Vidra. Yeah. Aman Abdi. Yeah. Marlon King, best finisher. Yeah. He was just ruthless and throw yeah. a goal. Yeah. Vidra, ruthless and throw a goal. Yeah. Uh, Amin Abdi because he was just uh, ridiculous yeah he just made us play yeah. um, I thought Marco Cassetti just had yeah. class yeah. you know I know uh, with Watford fans it might might be mixed emotions because they gave away the penalty but personally playing with him he was probably one of the best players I played with and probably tried in it because yeah coming out of jail from where he was before he came out of jail to when he came out he just proved himself right and he just went on a straight and narrow and all the demons in his head that was going on before he ended up scoring 150 goals in the next four or five years so you know yeah and obviously Asher Young who is the funniest in the dressing room? Funniest. Oh. <laughs> I'd probably say Troy Deeney yeah. and Craig Cathcart. Yeah. Craig, Craig Cathcart has got dry humour. <laughs> uh, but Troy Deeney just doesn't stop. He's just in your ear all the time, just, just caning you. Yeah. yeah. La last one's a big one. Best manager. Or head coach? Probably Zola. Yeah. Yeah, Zola. I got I got on really well with him and I just felt his man management was awesome. Yeah. I think the second year it slipped a little bit. But um, as a coach he was, he's definitely one of the best. The way we the way we were playing but was very good.
So that was my chat with Lloyd Doyley and it's great to hear that he's still involved at Vicarage Road with coaching the club's under-15s. It's clear that the young players at the club are in safe hands under the stewardship of Lloyd and former Leighton Orient manager Omar Risa, who are both in charge of coaching the under-15s at the moment. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking to Lloyd, who, who's still local, and it's clear how much he respects Watford and, and the club's fans and how, how much of a, a role that the club played in his life. Thank you once again for tuning in, uh, and if it, if it was the first time that you've listened to the podcast, please do take some time out to listen to my chats with Richard Lee, Kevin Phillips and Tommy Smith, um, which I said at the top of the podcast, are still available on both SoundCloud and iTunes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do like, share and subscribe, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Vicarage Road Pod. You can also find me on Twitter as well, at Bradley Hayden 11 um, And if you have any ideas for future podcasts or feedback so far, um, I'd be really grateful. So you can tweet me on, on either handle, at Vicarage Road Pod or at Bradley Hayden 11 or you can drop me an email on a trip down Vicarage Road at gmail.com. Thank you once again for tuning in and hopefully I'll be back with podcasts with a midfielder and a former striker uh, soon. More info will be released on them in the coming weeks. Uh, but that's all from me now with some big matches coming up in the coming weeks, including the FA Cup semi-final against Wolves at Wembley. It looks set to be an exciting few weeks uh, on the pitch for Watford. So fingers crossed we, we do the business in the FA Cup semi-final if I don't have a podcast up for them. Um, but in the meantime, come on you horns and I'll be back soon. Thanks once again. Speak to you soon.